I thought I was making a difference. You know, I was reaching people and like telling the story and people were going, oh my God, I never even thought about how many plastic bags I used. You know, the same wake up that I had, I was sharing. Uh, well, after I got done with my tour, that's when I got served with a lawsuit. I, I, they said I was irreparably harming their business, that what I was saying about plastic bags was false and misleading and that I needed to basically pay them for the damages. From Alda, this is the Protect Your Wild podcast, a show about founders, athletes, and influencers, and how their passions for the environment led to their actions and career paths today. I'm Colin Campbell, and this week I'm having a chat with Andy Keller, the CEO and founder of Chico Bag, the company responsible for keeping an estimated 779 million single-use plastic bags from ever being used. And if you want to get yourself a Chico bag, use the code CHOOSEREUSE for 20% off your entire purchase at ChicoBag.com. You're welcome. All right, guys. Enjoy. Today, I'm here with our special guest, Andy Keller of Chico Bag. So thanks for joining us, Andy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've had my eye on your company for a few years now, and I love um, the attention to detail is the biggest thing that I noticed. Like, you seem to have, like, a, a great, of course, grasp on the whole picture of sustainability from giving back to other companies to the materials, of course, that you use to even your in-office practices was, like, bragging about that was one of the, the my favorite things on your website. Great. Well... I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so first kind of thing, just to, to get to know you and Chico Bag a little bit, um, give us a, some of the backstory of, you know, your own personal background and, you know, how that's led you here. Well, out of college, I, I ended up getting a, a pretty good job selling software. And, um, you know, and I was making good money and it was exciting because, you know, after being a poor college student, making some money is, um, and having money to spend is uh, pretty cool. Um, but I was selling software that uh, I didn't feel like I was really making any difference in the world, but, but I was making good money. So, um, I kind of had that, that feeling inside me that, yeah, I want to do more than this. Mm Um, well, as fate had it, um, kind of the universe provided uh, an opportunity. I got a call from my boss and he said, hey, the company got bought and, you know, basically uh, you can take a severance package. So I was like, oh. I made the decision uh, for you there. <laughs> yeah. So I was unemployed. Uh, and I had just bought a house. I had a mortgage. And oh, man. It was probably it was, I would say, the second scariest moment of my life. Um, up until that point, it was probably the scariest moment yeah. for me. And, uh, so I didn't, I didn't really know what to do. Um, so I ended up working on my house cause I bought a, a really old beater house and I needed to do some work on it. So I cleaned up the yard and I ended up at the landfill and after I dumped my stuff in the landfill, I just kind of looked and I'm like, it was just unbelievable what people were throwing away. I saw a pot belly stove that was like, had to be an antique and it was certainly a big chunk of metal that could be recycled. Yeah. And Visually, what stood out to me were all the plastic bags. They were everywhere. They're blowing around, and that day they're actually blowing out of the landfill. Um, and around the landfill is uh, pasture land with cows. Mm. And I just, and just, I started making the connection. I'm like, wait a minute, you know. I realized up until that point, I, I essentially been told a lie that in order to do my part, I needed to not litter and recycle. You know, be don't pollute. You know, give it who don't pollute. Um, but I realized all those bags were disposed of properly and they were still getting out into the wild. And so I made a decision. I'm like, you know, up until that point, I was a plastic bag user. Mm-hmm. I never thought about how many plastic bags I used. And actually behind me here is, that's what the average American uses in plastic bags Jeez. in one year. That's 500, 500 plastic bags, one American, one year. Wow. And, and, I, and I was one of those Americans. I, I had no... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it at all. Right, it's not even a consideration. It's like not on your radar until you you kind of start to become aware. And once you are, it's right in your face. You're like, wow. 
Yeah. And I started seeing them on the drive home. I, I started seeing them on the side of the highway yeah. and I started seeing them everywhere. It was, it was, it was like the experience, like when you buy a new car and you start seeing your car around in town, it was the same thing. I started seeing plastic bags, like caught on fences and in trees. And, and that day I was like, okay, like, why don't I use reusable bags? And up until that point, I thought, you know, reusable bags are kind of grungy. They get, you know, they got stained easily. Um, and I was the type of person that I'd probably forget at home or in the car. Right. And then, and then kind of my entrepreneur business side of my mind started kicking in. I'm like, well, why isn't there a solution out there? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if I could have a reusable bag in my pocket and I can have one whenever I needed one and I could just pull it out of my pocket whenever I need a bag. And, and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, I, I can solve my plastic bag problem and my unemployment problem at the same time. Like this <laughs> yeah. is awesome. There so I, I, <laughs> I drove that day to uh, the fabric store, bought some fabric. I got a secondhand sewing machine and I started making what would become uh, the first Chico bag, you know, that day. That's awesome. I love those, uh, the like, you know, just do it yourself attitude. It's like, you know, you don't need any, you don't need some big investment up front to start something, right? All you need is, like yeah. you said, the, you see the, the need and you see the problem. And you just go, well, let me just go buy a sewing machine and see what I can do. That's awesome. And the Chico bags, too, what I love is they're, they're like small enough you could fit it on a keychain if you wanted when it's all packed down. It's crazy. Well, yeah, that's the idea and that's the intention. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to create a new habit is hard. It is, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember part. to bring your reusable bags, man. You got we just have to really make it easy for people. Now that, that was the intention behind them, but behind the design. Yeah, and for the longest time, of course, the a lot of governments weren't really doing anything about it, right? So I mean in Boulder, I'm in Boulder, Colorado here, and they have the um like a ten cent plastic bag tax. So they made a decision to to help people, I guess, make that make that choice and, and keep that reminder in their head to go reusable, but you know, for the longest time, there wasn't really much being done from the government side about it. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, stores had been given a, um, like a 10 cent, five cent, sometimes even 25 cent reward for bringing your own bag. Hmm. And what they found is that the people that brought reusable bags that made no difference, um, they did, you know, comparisons, um, between two different stores that are similar. One had a had a reward and one didn't, and they saw no difference in the reusable bag use really? in, in the stores. Wow! As, as soon as you charge ten cents, though, in most places, a ninety percent reduction in single-use bag really? consumption overnight. That's crazy. It's kind, it's kind of the way our, our brains are wired. Punishers, right? Well, you know, we're we're adverse to loss. You know, you right. want to take ten cents from me? Oh no, no. You know, you want to give me ten cents? Eh, maybe. It's like, oh, whatever. It's only ten cents if it's being <laughs> yeah, given so, to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, and then you know Boulder County, of course. Here, there's tons of people that you know love the outdoors, and I think that always ties into where this kind of mentality to be sustainable comes from. So, did you have kind of any thing in your childhood and so forth uh, that kind of led you down this path, or just gave you a passion for the environment? You know, I, I remember going camping as a kid and being in the outdoors and you know before we left the campground my dad was like okay let's everyone police area and pick up you know debris and it's kind of a vague recollection but i remember like thinking like well we didn't make this mess here but my i remember my dad saying like you got you got to leave places better than mm -hmm. you found them yeah um you know and, and he and i i learned that lesson a couple times he had borrowed a, a, basically a, a compound miter saw from a, from a neighbor to cut some wood. And, and he was cleaning it all up and really making it look nice. And he was returning it better than he found it. Um, you know, and he was telling me about what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And that, it really stuck with me, you know, is to, to, to leave something better than you found it is, is if we all did that, and God, the world would be wonderful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was something, uh, I guess, kind of where I learned that same lesson was through um, playing sports, right? And and oftentimes some people would, at parks or what have you would leave their water bottles, their plastic bottles, 
random litter, uh, you know, everywhere. Their drink cups from McDonald's that the parents would have, things like that. And, um, you know, once I got into high school, we had, uh, uh, I was in the marching band by high school, and a band director would always, 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 always uh, enforce that to, like, you know, a strict, like, in a militaristic sense of, like, you know, not only are we going to tell you to do this, but then we're going to go around and check and make sure this, this field or whatever is spotless and that there's not a single bottle out here. Um, it's definitely something I hope, you know, generations keep passing down because it's a, it's like a golden rule almost of sustainability. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, so you guys is a B Corp status is, is one of the biggest things that stood out to me. And I saw that you got an award of being in the top 10% of, uh, all B Corps. Is that right? Yeah. For environmental, um, there's, there's different categories, uh-huh. um, that you're rated on and where we our environmental scores in the top 10 percent of all companies uh, that are certified b corps that's awesome so the what what kind of uh things do you guys do in office and, and with your your brand and product that not only got you the b corp status but also you know got you on the the upper echelons of b corp companies in terms of environmental stuff well, I mean, there, there's a couple layers to B Corp, mm-hmm. you know, so I can, I can talk about that because a yeah, lot of people sure. don't know about it. Absolutely. Uh, so I'll start from the beginning. I mean, basically, you know, corporations have a, have a purpose, um, and this is, you know, a legal purpose, uh, and that is to generate profits for the shareholders. Um, and so when you form a corporation... Um, and you get investors, or if you have a board of directors, if you're not maximizing profit for shareholders, um, you can get fired. Mm-hmm. You know, so as a CEO, if you have a board of directors, they're responsible for hiring and firing you. And so you can get fired you know, from your own company for putting something above profit. Um, so that, that's traditional kind of corporate structure. So what a B corporation does, B stands for benefit, is it adds in a social benefit into the charter, into the corporate charter, and, that, and that's a, a legal document. So if you, let's say you sell your company or if you get investors or if you have a board of directors, when you make a decision that meets your um, the, the criteria you know, that's the social benefit that you're trying to achieve and it doesn't maximize profits, you know, they can't fire you or sue you or, right. you know, do the, the bad things to you um, right. as a result. The bad things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so that's good because yeah. um, part of the issue with sustainability is that corporations have an incentive to externalize costs yeah. um, instead of, taking full ownership and responsibility for the impact they have. Um, and when I, when I say externalized costs, it's, well, you make a product and at the end of its life, it gets thrown away. Right. And then someone has to kind of manage that for eons, for example, in a landfill, uh, or, you know, worse, it gets out into the environment and there's some sort of issue, you know, taxpayers have to pay for it instead of the company that produced it. So right. that, that's an example of externalized costs. Would that include things like, um, I, I guess producing in, in less than uh, satisfactory, you know, uh, manufacturing plants and things that are outside of the country as well. So kind yeah, of the same concept. yeah, definitely. So you know, there's the end of life story for the product, but there's also the production story. So right. you know, where did all the parts and pieces, and you know, it, did it pollute a river in the process of being made? You know, did it cut down a, a virgin forest, or you know, what what happened? And the interesting thing that I've learned through being in in business, uh, which what I didn't know when I start when I started, is a lot of brands don't have no idea how their products are made, or yeah, you know, they might know at a certain degree, but they don't. You know, the supply chains are complex, yeah. um, and you have to go through different levels of the supply chain uh, to really understand like where everything is coming from and what kind of impact you're having on the world, uh, and it takes a lot of work and energy and you know, and most brands don't do it. So right. the, the other benefit of being a B Corp is that you go through an assessment and you, you can become certified. Um, and, and that's how we got the ranking of top 10% um, is by going through that assessment. And what that assessment does is it, it shows anybody who's interested, uh, a company's uh, what they're doing well and what where they need to improve. 
So it's transparency, which is really yeah. important to sustainability. Absolutely. So that, that's the second part of B Corp. So one, the first part is the kind of the legal entity, which is registered, which is uh, recognized in over 30 states across the country. You can register as a B Corp. And then the second part of it is getting certified. So that's the transparency where you're telling your story and essentially showing the world, you know, what you're doing well and where you need to improve. So is that like kind of a, I guess, a third party audit then you submit your, your details or what have you to um, the government agency or whatever that will then determine if you meet the criteria or not. So there's a B corporation um, is a certification body essentially Mm -hmm. that um, does the B corp certification. Um, So B B corporation.net. And then that's where you can see the, um, the certifications for each of the companies that have gone through that process. Awesome. Yeah. So it's separate from from the legal entity that the states recognize. Um, most states require companies to publish an annual kind of sustainability report, but it's different than the certification. Gotcha. So yeah, that was because one thing I was noticing in, in some research on larger brands that claim to have a lot of efforts in sustainability like nike for example was a recent one i looked into they have their own internal judgments and then they will kind of just publicize this grade right like you know x amount of our manufacturers have rated as a bronze within nike's stuff but then you're like well what the hell does that mean like what is what is bronze you're not giving me enough here like i don't even know what you're trying to say with that um so that that is one thing that i do love about the the invention of this whole B Corp thing is it does encourage uh, transparency and then you get that nice stamp of approval that when people see they can say okay I know they're doing things the right way yeah and you know that it's the battle greenwashing essentially or uh, puffery you know over you know making yourself look really good you know we're we're going green we're sustainable but you know you know I guess, you know, it all started around 2008 where everyone wanted, or no, it was probably about 2005, right? Where everyone wanted to go green and everyone, you know, was like, we're green, you know? And right. so, so the B Corp movement is kind of in response to that. It's like, well, are you really green? It's like, let's like, have some accountability here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's something that I definitely try to keep the eye out for because now what I've seen is a lot of new companies, um, specifically apparel that's just surrounded around you know, donating to one specific cause, but then you look at their materials and it's like, okay, they didn't, they're, they're seemingly doing this primarily for, uh, the attention they get for that give back system. Right. While there's companies like your own that on top of, um, doing different, having different partners that you give back to, which I do want to talk about, remind me in case I forget. Um, you, you also have the details and the materials of the products, how they're manufactured, except like, just the list goes on, and um, that's something like that holistic picture that I want to try to get through to to people's heads when they're when they're shopping, especially. Yeah, I mean that that's 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 where the rubber hits the road is, you know, making a product that people you know will buy and mm-hmm. use and love, um, you know, for years. Right. And so, in my mind, that's you know sustainability essentially is you know, not making stuff that's going to be thrown away. Yeah. And that kind of ties into the next thing, which is the green premium that I want to talk about that general concept, of course, where a lot of, you know, average Joe, so to speak, when they're shopping around, they'll see, uh, maybe something for like a dollar or whatever. Like, let's talk, you know, you guys do reusable bags, of course, let's say they see one for a dollar and they say, okay, well, you know, it's doing something in the right direction. It'll help. Like if I use this, I at least won't be using plastic bags. And, and then of course a, a Chico bag that's made with the pretty much the highest level of integrity when it comes down to materials and production and across the board, um, and durability, I'm sure in the long run. Um, so I was just wondering from your perspective as a, as a, you know, business owner and founder and, uh, how is that something you kind of, a perspective that you try to combat and um, what what do you usually say to people that might have that um, kind of mentality? I mean, it's a challenge because most, a lot of people shop based on price. Right. And, 
you know, when you see a 99 cent bag, you know, at the grocery store and then you see uh, a Chico bag, you know, for, you know, seven, eight bucks, you know, why, why would you want to pay seven or eight bucks when you could spend a dollar and get it back? Um, so it's challenging because, you know, I'm not there at the register going, Hey, you know, <laughs> let me tell you, you know, about right. this. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a societal um, kind of systemic issue uh, around the mentality mm-hmm. of uh, kind of this disposable society. Um, and and I, I guess the simplest way that I've been able to get my head around um, sustainability is 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 what's the cost per use? You know, so right. when you look at an item, like it might be a 99 cent bag, but how many times are you going to use it? Mm-hmm. You know, so if you if you use it, let's say you know, 10 times, then it's 10 cents per use, right? So, you know, if you buy like a Chico bag, um, you know, you can do that comparison, you know, so how long is the 99 cent bag going to going to last? Are you going to remember to use it? Is it going to be left in your car, in your closet? Right. You know, is it going to get dirty and you're, not, you're just going to like, ah, is it only 99 cents? I'll just yeah, throw it away. It. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'll just get another one, you know, so that, that's the, that's the mentality is like, well, what's the cost per use? You know, so, if you can figure that out, a lot of times it makes a lot of sense to buy the more expensive item because it's going to it's going to last, you know, many years. It's going to provide many uses and the cost per use is going to be less than the cheaper product. Right. You know, so, you know, there, I mean, there's a movement around around this concept, you know, of buying less stuff, but buying high quality items that you love and want to use. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of an anti-consumerism uh, model or movement yeah and it's gaining traction across the country you know a lot of people are you know they'll won't have a big closet full of cheap clothes they'll have a you know a small closet full of high quality clothes that they love yeah exactly that's that's definitely one of the biggest things that i've kind of in my personal life been trying to combat with like friends and things is that understanding of you know in consumer behavior your first level shouldn't always just be cost right yeah. And you should always understand that companies oftentimes when you're buying that the higher quality, you know, product, you're incurring costs because of the, the efforts and detail that we talked about that you put in to make sure that it's a, you know, top of the line product. And, you know, who who do you want to support with your dollar, right? The company that's doing some random promotional bag or whatever that is, is um, you know, is made as cheap as can be and they try to just maximize profit margins on it and uh or or the company that's literally painstakingly paying attention to every single detail and doing things in the yeah. right way um, yeah i didn't even talk about that side of it is you know the, and that's why transparency is so important so yeah, yeah. if a company isn't transparent at least, at least in my mind they're probably trying to hide something right. uh, or or they don't know what's going on yeah, yeah, that which I um, see in many com- cases for sure, <laughs> right? So, you know, and that's scary because there's a lot of terrible things happening in the world, and some of these products that you buy are, are part of that problem, and and when you buy it, you're voting with your dollar that that's mm-hmm. you want more of that in the world. Yeah, you know, so I mean, there's been all kinds of scandals that have you know, showing up where like hardwood flooring is made with, um, you know, illegal wood out of a virgin forest, which is part of a national park, you know, in an impoverished country where, you know, people are getting paid off in order to harvest the wood and then they're bringing it back over the border into another country and then exporting it as, you know, another country's wood, you know, just like all kinds of shenanigans are happening. And if you don't have full control of your supply chain, like that's, it's probably going to happen. Yeah, and that's one thing. I mean, as uh, I'd never tell people not to vote, of course, but uh, I think it's equally, if not more important, to watch where your dollars go because you'll make plenty of income throughout your lifetime, right? And uh, you as a consumer now, with, with the amount of information that's out there, you have the ability to, to go and support good guys, right? Good Good men and women that are doing the right thing. And you know... Whereas with politicians, you don't necessarily know what is going to come of their their term, right? They'll yeah. sell you an idea, and you might vote on them based on them giving lip service to the right thing. But 
uh, with these B Corp brands specifically, with that level of transparency, you know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and, and you can be sure that uh, it, you're, you're supporting the continue, continuity of something that's making a difference. Um, it's, it's taking the long view, right? Uh, so, yeah. You know, pol- politics runs in you know, two or four year cycles. Right. Um, businesses run on, you know, sometimes three month cycles. Yeah. Um, but hopefully long annual cycle. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, um, it's, you know, if you look out five, 10, 15 years, you know, I think that's the appropriate vantage point for making decisions on who you're going to support. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, ideally. And that, that's part of the, the challenge with our society is how, how do you, how do you take the longer view? Right. It's, it's, uh, you know, I guess there have been big, like major culture changes in the past, like with, you know, smoking is the biggest example from my lifetime I can think of where you go from indoors was still a thing, smoking in restaurants and stuff when I was really yeah. young to, to now where, you know, I can name you maybe one person, two people that I know that smoke cigarettes. So it's, it is, uh, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely hopeful uh, that there will be a big, big change in momentum there as, as we've kind of seen. Yeah, I mean, cigarettes is a good analogy for, you know, other social trends. You know, single-use plastics is is kind of following the same suit. Yeah, it's caught fire uh, lately, yeah. You know, single-use bags, you know, are being banned, you know, all around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the industry behind the plastic bags, you know, is, is using the same playbook as the tobacco industry. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, they do three things. It's interesting. Um, so they'll hire a PR firm and then they, they'll come up with factoids that are believable. Right. Um, you know, they're basically half truths, but to prove their point, um, they, so these factoids basically do, um, three things. One is they will, um, shift the blame. So, you know, for years they said, well, if people would just recycle and they wouldn't litter, we wouldn't have a problem, you know, and they're, and they're totally shifting the blame from themselves. Like they're, take the single-use plastic bag is it blows out of trash cans and out of the landfill. Right. Despite It's literally space. a parachute. <laughs> it's literally yeah. a miniature parachute. Like they made a miniature parachute, yeah. you know, so that's a problem. That's a product problem. That's not a consumer problem. You know, so they're shifting the blame and, you know, and, and not taking ownership of, you know, they actually designed a product that's a parachute. So the, the second thing they do is, um, they'll minimize the impact, you know, so they'll say, Oh, you know, plastic bags are like half a percent of landfill waste. Yeah. You know, Oh, that's not much, you know, but they don't tell you landfill waste is measured based on weight. You know, how much does a plastic bag weigh? Yeah, weigh then you look at the numbers of plastic bags and it's like, oh, okay, that's a different story. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a totally different story. Uh, the, the third thing they'll do is they'll create fear. You know, so the plastic bag industry got on every single news station across the country that reusable bags can carry bacteria and can make you sick. Some of them actually have the norovirus on them. Like perhaps you've heard the story. Have you heard reusable bags you know, need to be washed, they have bacteria on them? I hadn't like that heard story, that story before. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy. It, it comes up a lot because yeah. they got their PR firm to really get that story out there. And it was on mm-hmm. every, you know, what else are you bringing home in your, you know, groceries? You know, like it was on every news station. And it's effective because fear is that's very true. motivating. Yeah, yeah. You know, so those are the those are the playbooks. You know, the same same playbook that the tobacco industry used. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll use you know PR companies to create the factoids, and then they'll create front groups. You know, that then will say the factoids because if you hear something from two different points of view or two different people, it reinforces it. It's more believable. Oh, I heard that. Yeah, that's true. You know, and and then the third thing they'll do is they'll sue you. Oh, Uh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. So they'll they'll file a a, a lawsuit and, you know, and we'll try to crush um, smaller companies that just can't afford the litigation, basically, right? Yeah, basically. That's what happened to me. Really? Yeah, the three of the largest. I'd like to hear about that bag. for sure. Yeah, that's that's from a business perspective, especially. And I, I come from a small business background. My my dad has a little educational company, and same thing happens if 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 we were to get a big lawsuit. And of course, we have copyright issues and all this stuff. We can't afford like we we can't really afford to just you know fight tooth and nail. And they 
they could just try to run us dry if they wanted to, you know? It's so yeah, tell me a little bit about that. That's that's pretty uh scary, that's I guess. It. Yeah, I mean it's it happens a lot, unfortunately. So, you know, the idea is that yeah, they, they try to outspend you and and their hope is that you just give up and go away. Yeah, so this this is actually a costume. It's called the Bag Monster. It's a I can wear it, and so it's an embodiment of the average person's usage in plastic bags. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 500 plastic bags walking and talking and getting in your face. So I, I toured the country, you know, wearing this costume, and you know, and this is where I felt like you know, I was talking to people and showing them like, hey, plastic never ever goes away. It doesn't biodegrade. It 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 you use this thing, these bags for moments. You know, a lot of times you don't even need them. You know, think about <laughs> you buy a you know, toothpaste you, and then you yeah. get a plastic bag, and I'm like, hey man, I didn't ask for that. Exactly. You know, and then what do you do? You go, you walk out of the store, you throw it away, and then it doesn't go away. Literally, like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of years, this plastic bag is going to be around for what purpose? You know, to carry your toothpaste right. to the trash can. Um, yeah. So. I thought I was making a difference. You know, I was reaching people and like telling the story and people were going, Oh my God, I never even thought about how many plastic bags I use. You know, the same wake up that I had, I was sharing. Uh, well, after I got done with my tour, that's when I got served with a lawsuit. I, I, they said I was irreparably harming their business that what I was saying about plastic bags was false and misleading and that I needed to basically pay them for the damages. So oh my God. that was, um, that was the second most scariest moment. The first one was when I lost my job and yeah. I didn't know what to do. The second one was when I got sued by the plastics industry. Yeah, you, you make your own job and start doing something good for the world. And then, you know, the the big guys try to push you down and, and claim damages. And, yeah, and that's, you know, that and is frightening. Uh, people that I, that I know that are business people, you know, they're like, hey, congratulations. Now you're a real business. You, know? or, <laughs> you made you know, it through or, your first lawsuit. <laughs> You know, and our, our, we have a stated mission. Our, our mission is to help humanity bag the single-use habit. And, you know, we talk about single-use, we talk about single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. You know, so to get sued by the plastics industry is actually, uh, you know, a nice compliment that we're actually achieving our mission. <laughs> right, you got so, enough attention to, to yeah. feel threatening or, or for them yeah. to feel threatened, rather. So we, it was kind of a badge of honor. We're like, you know what, we're actually doing it. Like, yeah. look at this. Yeah. We're getting sued by the plastics industry. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm so, definitely glad you guys made it through that. Um, yeah, it, it sucked. Um, but, you know, what ended up happening is um, scientists came out, uh, nonprofit groups came out, and, and they showed that what I was saying about plastic bags uh, actually understated the issue, that, the, that <laughs> what I was saying was understating the issue, which, which was really funny because – the intention of the lawsuit was to shut me up, and it actually had the exact reverse. Um, I'm sure they result. loved hearing that. They go, "Oh, the facts are actually much worse. You guys thought this was bad. This is what's really happening." Yeah, so <laughs> that's they, hilarious. Yeah, you know, they're like, "Oh, there's no plastic bags in the gyre, you know, in the ocean. You know, you're insinuating there's plastic bags in the in the ocean, and you, you have no proof of this." You know, so right. actually, you know, you're asking earlier about you know, kind of experiences were out in nature. Um, what I really love to do is scuba dive. Okay. And, you know, I love the ocean. Yeah. You know, so and when scuba diving, I, you know, you always see plastic, you know, either bottles or, you know, plastic bags or other little things. And so when I got sued by the plastics industry, I had the opportunity to go out into one of the gyres. Uh, and see firsthand the plastic in the ocean. And there, there's five uh, subtropical gyres. Mm-hmm. These are what they call accumulation zones. It's basically uh, the doldrums. Uh, it's where two currents come together and basically right. stuff stuck in there. Uh, there's five of them. So I went to the South Pacific subtropical gyre, which is off the coast of Chile um, near Easter Island. Oh, and... Cool. I went out there and with some scientists and we sampled the water and counted how many pieces of plastic were in the water um, to collect the data, you know, that proved, you know, that actually there is a problem because yeah. everyone's like, oh, there's no problem. Show us the data. You know, so, <laughs> so I helped to you know, collect some of that data. And, and what I ended up finding were 
not full plastic bags because they deteriorated, but the knots that people tie in plastic bags. You know, when you right. throw something out, like you tie sturdier. it. Or will last together like that longer, right? Yeah, so the only thing that really survives in, a, in its form is the knot that you tie in the top of the plastic bag before you throw it away. Gotcha. Uh, so I found those. And the rest of the bag, you know, became plastic confetti that's, mm-hmm. you know, permeating our, our earth. It, it, you know, a, as, it, as it sinks, it gets into currents. And, it, it, and they found plastic, you know, in the North Pole and the South Pole. You know, every major waterway has plastic in it at this point. Yeah. Which is which is scary because it's it's having impacts on um, sedimentary creatures like clams and you know shrimp, where they actually are craving plastic. Oh, like really? actually, I know yeah, they'll see on. it wow. and they'll eat it first for some reason, but it, it's certainly not nutritional at all. It has no nutritional value. Absolutely. Yeah, it's taking their energy to to go after it, of course, and then they're not getting the return on that, uh, like calorically, it, I guess. It, yeah, and actually, they're like little toxic pills because um, like attracts like. And as they're in the ocean, uh, there's other chemicals in the ocean, like stuff that's been banned for years, like DDT, for example. Mm-hmm. And because it's a petrochemical um, product, it, it attracts other chemicals to it. And it, and, it, and it can become a million times more toxic than the ambient seawater. Really? So it like sponges up kind of the um, mm-hmm. or other things, I guess, that are attracted to it. Exactly. And so it becomes a little toxic pill and, and then it, a little animal eats it. The bigger animal eats the smaller animal and it bioaccumulates up to supply chain. So when you have fish for dinner, it's coming right back at you. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that is uh, definitely one of the biggest problems I think that we're we're going to be facing as we, you know, I think understand the impact of all this plastic we've been using more and more. And, and once it becomes a human, like a selfish problem and we see kind of impacts on our own health, maybe then people or more people will start really taking it seriously. Not that there's not a lot of great groups out there, though. Yeah, I mean, bringing it back to human health certainly is motivating for people. There's, um, you know, thinking about the environment, is kind of a, you know, you got to, in order to think about the, the bigger environment in the world, you know, you got to have your, your core needs met. Right, um, that's true. You know, you got to be able to feed your family. You got to be able to make enough money to, you know, to have a roof over your head. And you know, if those core needs aren't met, like, it's a, it's a luxury issue to like think about like what's happening in the ocean. So that's why, uh, you know, the economic disparity that's happening in the world right now, where you know the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, is only exasperating this issue. Is right. you know, less people are able to think about their impact on the planet because they're just trying to get by. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, especially in the United States, this is happening. You know, the you know, the middle class is is dissolving and becoming ultra rich, and you know, and, and people falling below the poverty line. So, right. it's all connected. Yeah. yeah. The more I think about this, I'm just like, oh my god, like, you know, I mean, there's things we can do. You know, I don't want to get all doomy gloomy, but you <laughs> yeah. know, <there's, laughs> You know, there's certainly things we can do, but, you know, the first thing is understanding that, you know, all these things are connected, you know, mm-hmm. social um, equality issues, you know, are, are totally related to environmental issues. They go hand in hand. Yeah, I had a, a great professor in college um, that kind of really hit that home for me personally, where he always explained it in the way I think is like the like five, I forget exact terminology, but it was like the five fingers, right, of sustainability and how you know, clean water, um, shelter, energy, basically all of that stuff around, you know, human needs is what ties back in different ways to how we in- interact with the environment around us. Um, cool. Yeah, but uh, I, I guess from there, so you guys have I've seen on your website work with some uh, some great organizations, one of which I believe is called Five Gyres. Yes, yeah. So uh, would you mind, I guess, talking a little bit about them and, and how you guys have partnered up to to keep sure. making the word world better? That, that's the group, actually, that I went out to the, the gyre near Easter Island with. Okay. And I actually had the opportunity to go with them again um, out to the uh, North Atlantic subtropical gyre uh, as well to study plastic uh, out nice. there. And so, um, and that's what they do, is they... They bring people out into the ocean to see it firsthand, 
and they have a, a program called Citizen Science. Mm. So, so part of the issue is, you know, people want to see the proof. You know, oh, you know, there's plastic in the environment. You know, it's not a problem. You know, dilution is the solution to pollution. You know, this, you know, kind of this thinking that, yeah, it's not a problem. Right. Um, so, you know, they're, they're enabling citizens to go out and do citizen science. So let's just say you're sailing on a boat. They can set you up with um, the tools where you can sample the water and take a log, count the plastic. You can send it into them, um, you know, and, and help create the data set showing the, um, how much plastic is in the ocean, is it growing or shrinking, um, what kind of plastics, you know, are in the ocean. Um, you know, the, the real issue is like once it's out in the ocean, it's really hard to tell wh where it came from, what kind of product it came from, because it, it, right. it, it, through the wave action and sunlight, it breaks into basically plastic confetti. Right, right. Yeah, you know, so, um, but anyways, yeah, that, they're a great organization and, and they're all about helping to document and educate people on, on this issue. Yeah. Which, which is a growing issue. I, next to global warming, I think uh, plastic pollution is probably the number two threat to our way of life on Earth. Yeah, yeah. And as um, I was listening to, uh, oh, what's, he has a weird name. You know, the, the really young guy that started this that whole um, massive ocean kind of cleanup oh, with yeah. the buoys and uh, so forth. Bowen, I believe his name is. Yeah. Or Bo Bowen. But yeah, it's, some, it's something kind of, uh, you know, he is foreign, right? So it's it's something I can't pronounce yeah. well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was saying that the, the solution isn't to entirely rid ourselves of plastic because it is a useful material that we can recycle. And, of course, your, you know, bags, a lot of them, that repeat material, right, is made mm -hmm. of recycled plastic, right? Yeah, um, it's PET bottles, P which are basically, you know, water bottles, soda right. bottles. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I, people sometimes get this idea that, um, environmentalists and so forth are pushing to outright remove plastic just period from the world but that's just not really a reality of where we're at because we we know there's all this plastic out there that we sure. need to kind of recapture and get under control but the argument isn't really to just say all right we can't use plastic anymore right that's a great point i mean this jacket i'm wearing is, is made of plastic mm-hmm you know, but I've had this jacket for 10 years. Yeah. You know, so it, it's plastic is an amazing material. You can you can turn it into any color. You could shape it into any form. You know, it's durable. It's flexible. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a yeah, reality. I'm, I'm super, super toasty in this right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, you know, so plastic you know, has a really, I mean, to, to get rid of plastic in our, in our world at this point is, is not realistic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's how we use plastic. We just, why take an amazing material that lasts, you know, for essentially for a long, long time and make something that's used to be sing used to be used, you know, for moments and then thrown away, right. you know, single use, plastic fork, single-use plastic bag, you know, a cup, a straw, you know, most of it's unnecessary. Um, yeah, yeah. So why, why are we doing it? You know, we just need to just change our relationship with plastic. You know, and part of it is it has so many externalized costs. I talked about that. Is mm -hmm. it, the cost of plastic, the price you pay for virgin plastic, um, all the costs are externalized. You know, the cleanup costs are paid by for taxpayers. The extraction of the oil is subsidized by governments. Um, it's, um, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, people, you know, we're paying for it over, you know, for centuries, essentially. Yeah, and just indirectly, it, so it slides under the radar. Yeah. And really, the, the costs ought to be embedded into the price you pay. Very true. So, for example, uh, recycled content. Uh, we, we make products out of recycled PET, uh, which is certified, uh, and we make it out of virgin polyester as well. The only reason why we use virgin polyester is because it's 40% cheaper than recycled content. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's a problem. Like, why is that? Like, right, right. We already pulled the oil out of the ground. You know, We broke it apart. We created this resin, 
Um, we made it into a bottle and it's there. It's ready to be used. All you have to do is grind it up and remelt it and make yarn and weave it into fabric. Right. Like, why is that more expensive? Gotta, than, yeah, I guess just like the economies of scale, right? It's just it's the, the, the standard is still people just defaulting to, to new materials rather than there, yeah. there's just maybe not enough infrastructure in place yet for the recycling I, I, or... I would say that that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other part is that it's so highly subsidized um, by mm. governments. You know, when you right. when you do, um, you know, you have tax write-offs. You know, and, and there's credits and there's subsidies. You know, all around the industry of oil extraction, um, and you don't have those same subsidies and tax credits for recycled content. Yeah. So really, we just need to level the playing field and you know create some tax incentives or some sort of incentive that brings the price of recycled content, you know, to the same level as virgin, right. ideally cheaper. Yeah. And that'll help with that, that whole green premium concept too, of course, if manufacturers and, and brands can now use this material, uh, obviously it'll, that, that saving will translate through to the price that they put on the product. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's, um, that, I think that's the main lever is if, if we can, you know, and it has to be done through, you know, through government policy because that, yep. that's, you know, one, one side is you take away all of the benefits or perks, you know, for Virgin, mm-hmm. you know, which is probably hard to do. Or you give the same perks or more perks for recycled content, which is probably easier to do. Right. Um, to to get that get that engine going to make a circular economy because right now it's, it's a linear system because it's cheaper. Yeah. And we're realizing it just doesn't work. (laughs) It's just not, not quite working right. Yeah. And the whole, the whole recycling infrastructure has just been turned on its head. Um, you know, with a decision from China, uh, they're putting environmental controls and, you know, they're really stepping up their, their game. And one of them was they're not, they're going to stop accepting recycled content that has, that has a, um, doesn't have a high, purity rate you know so if you have chewing gum in your bottle or mm-hmm. you know or contamination in your recycled content they won't take it mm-hmm. so as a result like we don't have the ability or the technology to sort recycled plastics in a way that's acceptable to be imported into china mm-hmm. so that market dried up overnight and all of a sudden recycling there's no market for it Man. and um it's a problem that's a big problem because what, and it's cheaper sometimes just to send the stuff to the landfill than it is to um, ship it around or try to find a market for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to, to break this up real quick, I like to play a little game. We got pretty heavy. There's, there's a lot of serious <laughs> things going on in the world. Um, so I, I made up a kind of a little game here. It's just call it Quick Curiosities. I have a quick, that's like a tongue twister, Quick Curiosities. Uh, so I just got 10 kind of, you know, some silly, some serious rapid fire questions okay. for you to just kind of, you know, whatever comes to your head, answer on the spot. Um, right. Ready. So, so starting with <laughs> a silly one, uh, okay. what species do you think is the, the MVP? So most valuable predator, not including humans, of course. <laughs> most valuable predator. Yeah. Oh my. My mind, my mind's just going to like fungus. Fungus, okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, the decomposers in the world. You know, when we got waste, the decomposers go in, and you know, there is no waste in the natural world. You know, the decomposers come in and just turn it all into, you know, they they eat it. Right. You know, so. Love where you're thinking. I love where your yeah, brain's anyways. at with this. Everybody else in the audience is like, sharks, sharks. And you're like, no, fungus. <laughs> I love it. Um, next one. So uh, what is the the best kind of sustainable habit that you recommend to people? Like the, one of the easiest first ones people need to implement. Well, near and dear to my heart is reusable bags. Like yeah. if, you, if you're not using reusable bags yet, you know, that's number one. Number two is a reusable cup for coffee. So if you're going to mm-hmm. Starbucks or what have you, you know, bring a reusable <laughs> cup. There you go. My foxy lady um, mug. <laughs> yeah. So bags number one, cups number two, and then from there it's like, well, choose your own adventure. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, next one. What's what's a habit in your own life that you've kind of struggled the most with? Because we're we're obviously not perfect. So what's 
what's something that you have one of some of the hardest times with like doing consistently in terms of sustainability? Oh my. The first thing I'm thinking about is long showers. I yeah. love yeah. taking <laughs> a long, hot shower. Yeah, it's like, especially you know, in the think, winter. I guess you're in yeah. California. I don't know if you get much, but uh, <laughs> it, it's terrible. It's 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 you know, I live in California. I should not be taking long hot showers. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Admittedly, uh, once yeah. it turns winter, I'm in that same boat. I have a really hard time getting out of a, a hot shower into a cold bathroom. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one. So if, if you could, uh, be any wild animal, uh, what would it be? Oh man. I think it's a cross between being my, being an Eagle, you know, just flying Mm -hmm. and And on the top of the food chain. (laughs) Yeah. A little less threats. Yeah. I'm protected. I'm a national symbol, you know? Yeah. I like it. Uh, yeah, eagle would be awesome, but you know the other side, dolphin would be a lot of fun because they they out there playing, they're social. True. Eagles seem a little bit uh, more solitude. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dolphins have a lot of fun. Yeah, so I was, like to be a dolphin. I was trying to when I wrote this, I was trying to think like what what's like the Switzerland of animals? Like nature is so violent. How can I just kind of get out of that and just have <laughs> have fun? Like I have a, a pet parrot, and I was like, oh, maybe parrots are kind of they just eat some fruit, you know, fly around, socialize with each other. <laughs> Parents would be, yeah, that'd be a good one. You'd probably get caught though and sold. And yeah. Oh, it. Jesus. Yeah. Got dark again. Uh, that is <laughs> yeah, true. <sorry. laughs> no, you're good. Um, so, what's one of the most uh, memorable landscapes you you've seen that that really just kind of stuck with you? You know, being out in the middle of the ocean. Like. <laughs> there, my bird goes. Sorry. Oh, so you have a parrot, right? I do. Yeah, I have a. I do have a pet parrot. He was bred in Colorado, so no, no uh, risk of getting any any wild caught parrot, thankfully. But yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, being out in the middle of the ocean. So to get out to the gyre, like it, I was out there for two weeks. Oh, wow. it, it, it felt like Waterworld, you know, that cheeseball movie where like, where's land? I didn't think <laughs> I was going to see land again. You know, and, yeah. and it made me realize that our largest wilderness in this, on this planet is our ocean. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a vast pristine or it should be pristine wilderness. And it's just, it just was amazing because you could see to the horizon and I, we actually figured out, so I think it was 12 miles to the horizon and you look all around you and it looks like forever. Mm-hmm. And you just, it's, um, it's a pretty unique yeah. experience. It's like everything into perspective. Yeah. Like we live on a water planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. About, what yeah. is it, like 70% or something? Yeah, 70% yeah. water. So um, our oceans are, are super important Yeah. Um, to um, the ecosystem and life on Earth. Absolutely. Um, every Actually, I've heard every other breath you take is because of the oxygen that's being created from the plankton in the ocean. Whoa, <laughs> that's a pretty cool stat. Whoa. Yeah. Um, next one. So, uh, what is the largest threat to the environment that your average Joe might not be aware of? I, I hope everyone knows about global warming. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that that is, you know, a lot of people still don't believe. Um, it's a sad, and a sad truth, it, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm hoping that's less average than um, than what it appears to be. Mm-hmm. You know, plastics, you know, the single use plastics is probably, you know, the one that near and dear to my heart that most people don't think about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very, you know, in, in a way that, I mean, it has vast impacts, you know, because um, plastics have endocrine disruptors, uh, in them, which which essentially you know impacts the physiology of your, of your um, you know maybe I'm using the wrong word, but you know it um, will change your chemistry and the way your hormones you know act in your body, and mm. uh, that that's a serious serious issue. Yeah, it results in all kinds of disease, you know, in humans and, and in all all types of species. You know, so um, it's you know there's a body burden. You know, and I, I I'm not an expert on this, but you know, you're even born, uh, when you're born, you have uh, chemicals in your body that are passed on to you from your mother, you know, right. and, and 
and that's and that's all you know a lot of it's from plastics and and these um chemicals that are in our environment man yeah so the i guess the the human then effects of these plastics and things uh including other chemicals that are leached out into to nature that get into us yeah um and <laughs> next one's a silly one uh who do you think would win if there were a war between mammals and reptiles <laughs> again humans don't count humans aren't a part of it <sighs> mammals and reptiles I, I i would tend to think that mammals would win yeah Evolutionary I, I think advantage. so i think so yeah i think uh unless there's some large you know unless the dinosaurs were around i think <laughs> uh they bring back the dino like jurassic park goes crazy and you know, maybe they'd win yeah I was thinking, I don't know, so many reptiles can go so long without food and and those kinds of, maybe they could just like somehow outlast them. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, maybe in the face of global warming, um, yeah, maybe um, it's the the reptiles that survive. Yeah, I guess the mammal, yeah, that, um, what is it, the little mouse or something was going around as the first casualty to global warming, right? As far as Yeah, I saw a headline on that. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Sad. Next one, uh, who was one of your biggest inspirations growing up? Mm, inspiration. And it could be like Michael Jordan or something. You know, it doesn't have to be, <laughs> it doesn't have to necessarily tie into, you know, sustainability and environmental stuff per se. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, my, um, I think my, my first reaction is my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, you know, he ran his own business. And so he was always saying, you know, Andy, you know, if you, uh, you should uh, run your own business, <laughs> you know, and he kind of, you know, he told me all the benefits, like you get to make your own hours, you know, you get to, you know, do this and that. And could get um, sued, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't tell me about all the like downsides of owning your own business, but right. you know, he, he made it, he made it sound you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I had that ambition from when I was young mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so I, you know, I, I, from an inspiration standpoint, he really ins- inspired me to create my own business. Yeah. Same, same here. Pretty much growing up uh, with around that, I guess you, I, th- I feel like your brain just works different where you realize from a young age, like I don't really have to work for somebody else necessarily. You know, every company starts with someone, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the other thing he did is he, he didn't give like, give me allowance. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. So I I, uh, I had I had to think of ways to make money. So yeah. it, it automatically started me on the path. Yeah, nice. Um, and last one, what's uh, one brand that's one of your favorites that you'd want to turn people on to? Oh. You know, in regard to transparency, I, I really have a lot of admiration for Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Um, for just stepping out and into like uh, that scary world of saying like, Hey, this is a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they're pretty transparent in their supply chain of like, Here, here's where we're doing well and here's where we're not doing well. And, yeah. you know, to step out of that comfort zone, you know, they're probably one of the first that I know about where, that did that and really admitted, you know, where things aren't right. Yeah. They use their voice very well. Um, and you, you know, they're the founder, Yvonne Chenard, just, talk about the ultimate badass as far as this guy's life not only as yeah. a, a monster of an entrepreneur and and kind of went against the grain in his practices but also just his history of you know adventure and climbing and all that stuff yeah. <laughs> definitely somebody that i i look up to in that regard so you know as a result of you know i i've really learned to just question the status quo you yeah. know it's like things are the way they are because people made them that way and we could change it. You yeah, know, absolutely. we don't have to accept the way things are for sure. Yeah. So that, that wraps that up. <laughs> Thanks for bearing <laughs> okay. with my weird questions that, you know, hit me at strange times of the night. But, uh, <laughs> these are just the things I think about, you know, reptiles versus mammals, how, what's going to go down. Um, but, uh, to kind of, <laughs> st- yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm a weird dude, but to, uh, start to kind of close it out a little bit um there's there's a couple questions that we we typically ask uh all of our guests that i I think are important for people to hear um the first one of that being uh how do you uh, in the most basic terms kind of explain sustainability to like a toddler 
or the next, you know, generation so that they're kind of raised and instilled with those values. Oh man. So I have a five-year-old, so this, this might Perfect. be a little easier for yeah. me yeah. is, uh, I'd probably describe it as a magic bowl of treats. So there's a magic bowl of treats. As long as there's treats in the bowl, the magic will put another treat in the bowl every day. Hmm. But these treats are for everybody. So you only, and everyone needs to take, you know, just enough so that there's something left in the bowl and so that another treat comes in. If, if all the treats are gone, no more treats go in the bowl. Nice. So that, that might be a real, real stumper for a five-year-old, but. Uh, I like it. You use, use their, you know, <laughs> If I remember being a little kid, right, you have imagination yeah. is a lot stronger. And I think that's something that probably kids could almost conceptualize better than adults could, you know. So the way I see it playing out is, yeah, you know, if if there's only one treat left in the bowl, you don't take it, even though you want your treat. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then and then and then as the treats build back up, like if you see someone taking like all the treats except for one you have a conversation with them right yeah, yeah. like you know hey like uh we would like some treats too yeah you know, so. maybe with with or without a weapon in your hand right who knows <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's real world yeah there'd be a tank right. involved and <laughs> yeah yeah. But, yeah yeah that's good i like that it's uh definitely a creative a lot more of a creative answer than we get from some people that don't have kids that's for sure <laughs> um so what are uh, I guess we kind of talked about this with the showers and the quick questions, but um, some things in your own life uh, that you're always trying to improve on to to be more s- sustainable. Like my particular one is water and diet. That's like my two ones that I'm I'm really bad about. <sighs> to be more sustainable, um, right now I'm really trying to not to have less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm like cleaning out my closet and really trying to consider before I buy something, do, you know, do I really, I really need this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard, you know, having a family and, you know, of course, you know, and my wife likes to shop, my kid likes, you know, new things. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just focusing on myself right now sure, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. trying to, trying to make, trying to make that work. Um, yeah, yeah I guess the, the other one is, um, freezer Ziploc bags. You know, that's my, um, every once in a while I'll break the seal and get a little box of freezer Ziploc bags. And all of a sudden I'm like using freezer Ziploc bags, you know, if, you know, I go to Costco and I'll like portion it out and put it in the yeah, freezer. Chicken. And, that's my, always what I do with, unfortunately I haven't found a great way around it yet with, with the chicken. Do you have any, uh, any tips for that that you figured out? You know, um, what my mom used to do is she used to put chicken in a piece in a in you know a, a plastic container like Tupperware. Okay. And fill it with water and freeze it. Oh, interesting. Um, it does two things. You know, it well it keeps it fresh and, and it prevents freezer burn. Okay. So that, that is a good that, too. But yeah, you need a big freezer to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. But anyways, that, that's that's something that I really need to work on is just having more, I guess, freezer containers, you know, for food rather yeah. than using, um, you know, bags. I try to wash them and reuse them. But, right. That's yeah. what I, I have to freeze my veggies for the, the parrot over here. So <laughs> I've, oh. I've been, like, rotating out two, two big bags, basically, that I'll use and wash out and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, these are, these are regular, real regular people problems. I mean... I, I want to make sure sustainability feels normal and accessible to people. And, and by kind of exposing the struggles that we all have, even people that are particularly aware of the issues and trying their best to be more sustainable that, you know, there's, there's always kind of room for improvement and nobody's perfect. And it's all about just taking the, the right first steps and, you know, improving yourself. Like you said, I'm going to work on myself and see what I can do. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit overwhelming to think about. You know, we, we covered a lot of topics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, but yeah, it, it's it's if, if everyone does one thing a day, you know, that that you know, lessens their impact in the world. You know, that's huge when you multiply it across billions of people. 
if everyone was in that mindset, you know, they'd have a huge impact. Yeah. You know, just, just using one less bag a day, you know, or straw or saying no to, you know, or turning off the light, you know, when you leave a room, you know, all these things add up. Absolutely. And I, I think that's the, the message I want to close it out with. You um, summed it up really well. And uh, promotion wise, you know, Chico Bag is, of course, on Instagram at Chico Bag. Go to ChicoBag.com. Um, are there any other things in, in particular that you'd like to, to promote or make people aware of? You know, I, my Bag Monster costume here, uh, we have a number of these. We loan them out to people. So if oh, you want to get involved, in the movement and help yeah i'm actually awareness. about that <laughs> i have some <laughs> you know, video ideas in mind <laughs> it's, it's, yeah there's a lot of videos on uh, on youtube you can google bag monster and see photos and video of people out there trying to uh raise awareness around this issue so if you're nice. inspired to do that uh please email us at info at chicobag.com awesome um, and with that, everybody, again, that is uh, Andy Keller, the founder and CEO, correct, of, Cheap, of Chico Bag. Sorry, of course I stumble over the name. <laughs> and uh, um, again, really appreciative of your time. Really, really thankful of, of your mission and that you've kind of de- dedicated your life, your intelligence, your time towards like something that matters in the world. And um, that's, that's something that the world will be a better place because of, you know, more people like yourself. Um, so thank you again. Well, thank you. That makes me feel good. Appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and with that, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And remember to protect your wild. Wait, before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and please leave us a great review. It helps other people find the podcast. Also, check out our blog at outthelifestyle.com. We do some in-depth brand reviews of companies like Chico Bag and give you all the info you need on sweet sustainable products that's all i got y'all talk to you next week